You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And the internalized low self-estimation our communities of origin have given us because of who we are. This Jesus has come to liberate us from our own captivity to believing that we are less than others simply because we may be different from those at the top of the privileged structures in our society. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 350 and our title this week is Transforming Communities Built on Exclusion. Now, few stories have historically been scarier to the human psyche than stories of possession. Yet Mark's author, the gospel of of Mark's author, places this story right at the beginning of this Jesus narrative. And I think uh, the author does it for a reason. In Mark 1, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, we read, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, What is this new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region. Of Galilee. Now, this story it takes place in the most within the most sacred boundaries of of time and and space in Jesus's community. It's a story about the the social phenomenon that the Gospels refer to as the way of sacrifice. And we've been talking about this for the last couple weeks. And as we've discussed over the past few weeks, communities built on exclusivity, they depend on their agreeing who to exclude from their society. They need a sacrifice. They need someone to expel out of their borders for society, for a society like that to function properly. And they find unity in being against what they define as, as other. Finding unity in vilifying someone gives communities like this their life. They depend on the existence of of a, a demoniac. And we lose so much today if we throw out the stories of the demoniacs and the exorcisms and the Jesus narrative simply because we can't find a, a naturalist explanation for them. If we look for their sociopolitical themes, though, 
demoniac stories, they help us understand human societies and they should, I don't believe they should be dismissed uh, so quickly. One possible interpretation of the demoniac stories in the Gospels is to understand them as as drawing attention to those whom the community had chosen uh, to expel, the, the scapegoats, the sacrifice, the expelled victims who, who have internalized their community's hatred uh, as deserved. They've come to agree with the community that they should be driven outside the camp. They become possessed by how their community values or estimates their worth, estimates them. So let's look at each piece of this story this week. The de- for number one, the demoniac encounters Jesus. Number two, the demoniac refers to Jesus as the Holy One of God. And this is a political title that Mark uses purposefully. It's a title that, that King David used for himself in Psalms 4, verse 3, in Psalms 15, 10. It was also a, a title given to Aaron in, in Psalms 106, 16. There's a, there's a liberation element to this, which we won't go into here, but it, it, it had to do with the, the liberation hopes of, of the community within which uh, the Gospels were written. But, but number three, the demoniac assumes that Jesus had come to ex- execute uh, that same social phenomenon of sacrificial destruction. He, the, 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 the person cries out, have you come to destroy us? In this interpretation... Demoniacs symbolize those who have, again, internalized the self-hatred from their community. Mark's demoniac sees Jesus as the Holy One who has come to carry out the expulsion that he deserved to destroy rather than liberate. But Jesus's role in the story is not to destroy lives, but to liberate, to heal, and to restore. Jesus rejects the title given to him because he's not the figurehead of this social phenomenon of exclusion. He represents something much different. Jesus had come not to sacrifice scapegoats, but to do away with the entire system of basing societies on sacrificing or scapegoating those considered to be other. He he desires mercy, not sacrifice. He had come to destroy the very system that creates demoniacs. And and two phrases in our story suggest the author's point. The, The audience that says they were astounded at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so it was a different teaching and it had authority. And then number two, they were all amazed. They kept uh, asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Ched Myers <clears throat> gives insight into this contrast between those in authority within Jesus' community and and Jesus in his insightful volume, Say to This Mountain. This is uh, Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship, page 14. Ched writes, the essential conflict is thus defined as the contest over authority between Jesus and the scribal establishment, a contest which will be central to the entire story. Sandwiched in between is an unclean spirit who protests Jesus's presence. Why do you meddle with us? And you can cross-reference that with Judges 11.2 and 1 Kings 17.18. However, the demon's defiance quickly turns to fear. Have you come to destroy us? Who is the we? 
on whose behalf the demon speaks. The function of Mark's framing uh, framing device suggests that the demon's voice represents the voice of the scribal class whose space Jesus is invading. The synagogue on the Sabbath is scribal turf, where the scribes exercise the authority to teach Torah. This spirit personifies scribal power, which holds sway over the hearts and minds of the people. Only after breaking the influence of this spirit is Jesus free to begin his compassionate ministry to the masses. To interpret this exorcism solely as the curing of an epileptic is to miss the profound political impact. In contrast to Hellenistic literature, in which miracle workers normally function to maintain the status quo, gospel healings challenge the ordering of power because Jesus seeks the root causes of why people are marginalized. There is no case of healing and exorcism in Mark that does not also raise a larger question of social oppression. And again, that's Ched Meyer's Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship, uh, page 14. So with this healing act, Jesus is contradicting the community's evaluation of their othered one. And this same one has internalized their community's evaluation and is thus possessed by the the community's hatred, transformed into self-hatred. Jesus emerges in the stories to contradict the community's othering and to stand and in contrast with those in positions of authority within this system of othering. So Mark's author, he wants us to, to, to notice, or she wants us to notice, the contrast between Jesus and those in places of authority who are responsible for the exclusionary system the, the community is founded on. When, when Jesus sought to liberate the demoniac from being possessed by the community's evaluation of them, all that were present that day, they begin to contrast Jesus's authority with the scribes' authority. Jesus showed everyone there that there's another way for human societies to form and function. And this is Jesus's new teaching. So what does that have to do with us today? Again, in this interpretation, demoniacs in Mark's uh, Jesus story, remember, designate not only those whom the community has cast out or driven off, but also those that have adopted the community's image of themselves as their own self-image and thereby producing within themselves, again, that self-destructive self-hatred. So as we see in this story, internalized self-hatred can cause an outcast to view those who attempt to liberate them from their self-hatred as the enemy. I can think of of, uh, quite a few in my own life that as I help them see a different picture of themselves, their initial response to me was one of fear, one of doubt, and even one of anger. They got upset at me as uh, as the enemy because I wasn't agreeing with how their community said they should feel about themselves. And the man in this story, it viewed Jesus as, as an antagonist. Uh, and this man, he, 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 he viewed Jesus as, as, as an enemy and, and the liberation from internalized self-hatred that Jesus offered, he, he viewed Jesus and that liberation as adversarial. And I don't know how many times I've witnessed this. People, <clears throat> excuse me, 
people of a, a different race or or from a different place than the majority, they internalize and they believe that they are less than because they're the minority within a larger group or or women internalizing and, and genuinely believing they're less than men or, or those of less economic status believing they're less than those who possess more wealth or those who possess less formal or academic training than others while being intelligent and, and open-minded, they still believing that they're less than others others who are more formally educated yet domesticated by the status quo and transgender people believing that they're less than others uh, because the world is built for and by cisgender people or LGBTQ people being afraid to to come out even to themselves because of hatred bestowed on them by their community of origin their family or or teachings that say they're they're less than evil or or even possessed marks Jesus narrative offers a Jesus who has come not to destroy us or who we are, but to liberate us from the self-hatred and the internalized low self-estimation our communities of origin have given us because of who we are. This Jesus has come to liberate us from our own captivity to believing that we are less than others simply because we may be different from those at the top of the privileged structures in our society. The Jesus story is whispering to us that, that, that we are all made in the image of God, that we are all children of the same divine parents that there's room at the table for us all, even you. And there's a place in Jesus's new world for us all. The person Jesus healed that day was restored to community instead of cast out. And this restoration pushed the community into reassessment. When Jesus heals the community and its way of living, it cannot stay unchanged. It's been challenged now. So no, the man's restoration, it causes the community to, to reevaluate and to consider the contrast between Jesus's inclusion and, and the exclusion from those in, in power in their community. So now there's this tension. Not only was the individual liberated but the congregation was too. And maybe the world can operate by continuing to find people to expel, but I don't want to be part of a world like that. Instead of driving the demoniacs he met away, Jesus delivered that demoniac from self-hatred, restored him to his rightful place, and then also created change within that community that had sought to expel him in the first place. Jesus announced that a different iteration of the world was possible. And this was just the beginning of Mark's stories about Jesus. Heart group application this week. We at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Again, please stay virtually connected in some way, either through Google or through through Zoom. Or, or all. there's many different avenues you can do this. But but remember to practice your physical distancing. Please don't meet together right now physically. When you when you do go out, remember uh, we are setting records right now in this pandemic. Remember to maintain your 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 distance between you and others. Wear a mask, especially if you're going to be around other people, and continue to wash your hands to to stop the spread of this virus. And remember again, this is a time where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels, and make sure that others in your group have what they need. This is a time uh, to work 
work together and to prioritize protecting uh, the most vulnerable among us. So number one this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, share a story where you've witnessed a community being challenged by the inclusion of those they once excluded. And did the community change? Did the community reject the change and continue excluding? And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Next week, we begin our series on liberation and Advent. Remember, I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.